Hey, Power at the Nation, before we get into the juicy stuff for the podcast, I want to introduce you to our good friends at Thorn Supplements. Thorn is an industry leader and provides us with the best supplements in the game. I've been taking Thorn for a lot of years. Uh, as soon as I met him, and more importantly, being recommended by some pretty heady individuals, it has been really the industry standard. And uh, we've always said, if you're going to take supplements, make sure you're getting testing done and making sure you're taking the best supplements available. Um, Thorne's tagline, they're investing in a healthier future, could not be more true. And if you're interested in seeing what we take and what we recommend, go to thorne.com slash you slash power athlete. And if you click on there, you'll see what we're taking and what we recommend. And also you get a 20% discount. So go check them out. And once again, that's thorn.com slash you slash power athlete to see what we take. And also for a 20% discount, check it out. Thorn. Hey everyone. Thanks for tuning into power athlete radio featuring the crew. Where a former pro football player and a D3 All-Star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Power oh, Radio. <laughs> Where John takes a, and the crew take a deep dive into all the strange little bitty kind of nugget sayings that we've pulled from nutrition from over the years. That's right. We welcome our nutrition ninjas, Rob and Sam. How are we doing, guys? Great. How are you? All right. And they empower their nutrition clients one-on-one and often to take this complex thing that is nutrition and sticking to your diet, having stick-to-itiveness and leaning on. Wait, wait. Did you just make a word up? Stick-to-itiveness? You never heard that? Oh, I'm going to go to the uh, the audience here. High school football coach 101. Making words. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Then your athletes steal them and use them in real life as if they exist. That kind of reminds me of Kelly Starrett's Unscared. And then Brian McKenzie went and got it on his knuckles. Uh, Well, I don't know how to spell stick to it. And then I'm not going to get the tattoo. Best part was we're like, that's not a real word. And the look on his face when he realized that that wasn't a real word and Starrett just made it up. He like dropped and then like the next day came back and he's like, oh, my mission in life is to make this a word. No, it's not. Now that's what I call stick to itiveness. Or having no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> that's still my favorite tattoo. No regrets. And no, re- and, Be careful. Yeah, I think it's like a Snickers commercial. No, no, no it was in, um, uh, it was the movie it. with uh, uh, Jennifer Anderson. And the dude who's, um, the yeah, we're the Millers. It's a great movie. Great. It is. Anyway. <laughs> so what's great is when we we're, were already coming, derailed when, when 60 we, seconds in, when we were coming up with some ideas for a nutrition podcast, one of the ones that was pitched that Sam and Rob put together is the backstory on where we came or where I, or we, or the Royal, we came up with a lot of these little taglines for nutrition. So, well, the, the weight that I was alluding to and getting to is it helps the layman lean on and remember, I can do this. So let's introduce one by one and okay. it's broken down by macros, John, Ooh. if you'd like to introduce them. Well, no, you go, we'll you're, you're looking at the computer. I can't remember them all. You can't remember them all? <laughs> no. Well, I, I've memorized this lecture, given many a times. <laughs> you want to talk uh, about uh, selling yourself in BDE, me giving a nutrition lecture. 
<laughs> I have, that is as inauthentic as I've ever felt. Uh, well, the, the, it was organized in macros, and we always let off with everyone's favorite protein. Protein. And we went into the tagline: if it's got a face, a mother, or a soul. No, yeah, a face, a soul, or a mother. If it runs, if it flies, it swims. It's a protein. Mm-hmm. And we broke down the the different proteins. So let's well, let's talk about the origin of that line. Uh, so the the. The face, a soul, and a mother was simple because I kept getting people talking to me all the time about how there was some special macro or some ratio of bean to rice that had a complete amino profile and that you didn't have to eat meat. You could just do this magical ratio of beans and rice. And uh, that's where that piece came from, where I just had to delineate that the only real proteins and the only ones we count are ones with faces, souls, and a mother. And I threw the faces and souls and mother out there as a kind of an homage fu to the vegans and the uh dirt worshiping hippies that were upset by the fact that we eat these animals mm. Mm. so you got to remember it was a kind it was a not nearly as kind and gentle a world 10 plus years ago when i got into this uh i feel like we've watered so many things down to try to avoid hurting people's feelings and upsetting people because when i was raised Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. In today's age, words are weapons because we've talked about stress as being extremely damaging to individuals. And if your words cause stress to me, then effectively the stress of the words is hurting me. And now these words are weapons and potentially are ending my life. Which absolutely fucking blows my mind that in the last 20 years, 30 years, we went from sticks and stones, may break my bones and names will never hurt me to your words are weapons because they cause me stress. And we have created this idea that stress is a bad thing. We know it's not. You got to stress to progress. You know, I mean, think about lifting weights. I mean, what's the greatest form of stress? You're stressing the, the organism in the system to try to create adaptations like muscle and strength and all the other stuff. So without stress, we don't progress as organisms unless... Or a bunch of kids who have grown up in a society where stress is something considered to be bad. And we also don't grow physically without protein. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I, let me tell you about your awkward transitions. I'm trying <laughs> to Jenner. allow our nutrition ninjas to... Well, you can always say, hey, Rob. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. If you enjoyed this podcast and you're interested in supporting Power Athlete and getting involved with Power Athlete, myself and the crew here in Austin and in the global network, you can... Do it a few different ways. You can link on shop.powerathletehq.com. You can buy merch, you know, be the hammer, uh, move the dirt, all the really amazing merchandise that we put together. And we're going to have a bunch of cool stuff coming up here at the end of the year for Black Friday uh, that's going to blow your mind. We also have the best training programs in the game. I think the most efficient, most powerful, uh, well thought out, elegant programs that you will find. We're easy to get a hold of. Just go to powerathletehq.com, look for training. It's going to take you over to our best-in-class partner, Train Heroic, where you can look at Jack Street. If you're just trying to put on thick gobs of muscle and you want to get jacked as fuck, Jack Street's your program. We got Field Strong, Train Like an Athlete, allow us to foster and develop athleticism. That's really our flagship program for trying to make athletes more athletic. 
We got Bedrock, that beginner program. We got Grindstone for those of you guys that are in the fight, need a flexible program that lives with you. If you're still into getting your face melted by the dirtiest, nastiest, saltiest wads on the planet, check out Johnny Wad. If you're looking for a little bodybuilding, check out Johnny Bod. And if you're looking for a program, if you're in a situation where you go in harm's way, you're looking to kick in doors and take names and break hearts and all that good stuff, check us out at Hammer, the Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program that was developed uh, with some of the baddest dudes on the planet. So you can check us out in the programs. If you are interested in getting involved in the Block One Network with Power Athlete, you can first check out academy.powerathletehq.com. You can check out our methodology. And if you want to go that Block One track, travel out here to Austin and prove that you are composed of the metal that we're looking for to be in our block one network. So we're easy to get a hold of. You can support us in any way. So if you uh, are enjoying this podcast and really like this content, find a way to get involved, giving you a couple different options. We're looking forward to seeing you. Thanks. I think, um, you know, really that whole, you know, face and a soul and all that. And is the fact that, you know, really, especially for our purposes, the, the, uh, animal proteins are just more bio bioavailable. And I think John, you've kind of talked about it on the podcast before is it's just, it's more, um, it's more compact. You're, you're going to get more bang for your buck with it versus like the plant proteins and, and things like that, which are not as bioavailable for, for us as humans. Or nutrient dense is another way to look at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You have to create, um, amino acid profiles. They just have them. Right. So you're not like, oh, if I do beans and rice mixed together, it gives me a perfect protein. Protein just is perfect. Yeah. But I think, it- uh, yeah. Like on that same lines that that muscle maven shared this thing about the just egg. Have you seen that thing? Just um, egg. No, it's, I have not. It is, <laughs> it, it, is not it is, a, it is a liquid form of supposedly eggs made out of plants. So it's called just eggs, which you take the most perfect protein and then you just fuck it up by making it some sort of plant concoction. Yeah, I basically I, like in a in oh, a tube. I, I get what it is. I'm just more contemplating liquid, like yeah. how like what like, like I I have one brief addition. So the um during one of my nutrition lectures that I gave, this must have been 2015 or 16. I do recall is it CrossFit DC when we were hosting and we were talking about uh, eggs and yolk, which we'll get into because we're on the protein because mm-hmm. we did have an asterisk next to eggs yeah. within the protein. Before you get into it, just a quick uh, funny aside. I asked the group what the yolk was. And one of the answers, it was this young kid. He was like an intern at American University, puts his hand up and just interjects liquid chicken. (laughs) So I had to take 60 seconds to compose myself because I laughed my ass off right in his face. But uh, let's let's jump to that. John, why did you highlight and put an asterisk in the eggs? What's so important to then? Uh, share the with uh, students. Uh, if you look at people that have autoimmune issues, um, I think the major contributing factors for autoimmune are, are eggs, uh, which is the technically the biotin and the white. So I think this comes back to um, like the bodybuilding days where people are just consuming massive amounts of egg whites, not realizing that the majority of what we are looking for in terms of like DHA and fats and all the other cool jiggy stuff was in the yolk. Um, the autoimmune condition usually if somebody has some form of autoimmune the first thing you do is you pull out peanuts 
you know, wheat, rye, soy, uh, you know, would be gluten. And then the other one would be eggs. Those are really the two or three big ones for autoimmune disease. So you look at trying to, you know, prevent and exasperate autoimmune diseases by removing potentially gut irritants. And there's a huge amount of people that are allergic to them. So eggs are one of those things where I think they're very dose dependent. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you, if you consume a ton of eggs, like I did for a number of years, all of a sudden you get to a point where maybe you don't digest them the same way. And that's why I think we talk about like uh, rotating foods and kind of cycling them a little bit, maybe not eating like six to eight to a dozen eggs every single day for 20 years. And then all of a sudden you kind of go through and you do a, um, you know, food tolerance test and all of a sudden eggs is through the roof, which is what happened to me. So I just cut eggs out for 30 days and now I just eat maybe uh, twice a week. I might have eggs and some days I go weeks without having eggs. So I think I overdid it a little bit. That's the John Wellborn way. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like once I find a kind of a, a, like a routine for foods, I just kind of stick with it. And I think, uh, you know, for gut health and especially as you age, I think you become less resilient in terms of like dealing with some of this stuff. Like I said, a, a consult yesterday with Inclodon, there's a really fascinating set of tests. You guys would dig on this. Um, this guy, and I forgot who he told me the name of the dude, but the guy's dad developed uh, Parkinson's. And it was like a Parkinson's and Alzheimer's mix. And the guy went through and was like, you know, why, the, uh, like, why aren't we testing all of these markers earlier? And so mm-hmm. the guy developed a test for, uh, you know, like basically all these different markers so that he could assess whether or not you were on track for Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and some of these neurological things. So it just came out about two months ago. And so I tested it probably about six weeks ago, got the results, and I was going through it with Inclodon. And then the guy has a protocol where you can reduce all these. So what's super cool is, uh, you know, we had Joe DeRudy on the podcast who does the hyperbarics. So I got to go meet with a doctor here in Austin on Thursday who has like a medical grade hyperbarics. And Joe was able to plug me in with them and say, hey, this is the protocol we want to do. And I want John to do this protocol now that we got this neurological testing done. And then I talked to Inclodon and he has a, a protocol. Like basically if you're high in this, you do this and this. So he's supposed to send me the protocol. So what I want to do is the eight weeks of hyperbarics and the protocol, and then do a retest at the end and see if I can really reduce a lot of this stuff. So pretty interesting. Uh, but what was wild was like, um, some, some things were, were kind of high and, but for the most part, uh, Tom made a good point where he goes, I thought after, you know, playing in the NFL and the amount of hits and whatnot, I thought you'd be a lot worse, which I'm always like, well, that's good. It's <laughs> not worse. Uh, yeah. but I think, uh, you know, there's a great connection between the gut and the brain and, mm-hmm. uh, all the pain receptors that are in the gut. And they always talk about this gut brain connection. So I think when you talk about mental health in terms of like, uh, mental fitness in terms of Alzheimer's and dementia and avoiding these for a long time, I think it starts in the gut. I think you have to look at it and say, Hey, I'm going to eat a, you know, diverse diet, Roy G. Biv. I'm going to rotate through my proteins. I'm not going to eat the same thing every day. And I'm not going to sit down and eat a dozen eggs, not to say you can't digest them, but I think that there is a benefit in rotating through the foods and like going through and just kind of cycling everything. Like, you know, part of the year we eat more beef then we, uh, you know, this time we're kind of eating a little more Turkey. I still fucking hate chicken. Uh, certain points we eat fish and I kind of cycle through this and it's really just trying to rotate through the proteins and also rotate through other things. So Sam and Rob, when you're encouraging your clients, flesh builds flesh, meat, fish, fowl, seafood, eggs, how do you go about rotating so they don't get sick of it as well as getting the benefits of 
uh, cycling your meats? Yeah, um, just offering different suggestions. I know uh, we post or I post several recipes to the blog, but if you're my client, I give you more um, just quick guidelines on like how to cycle it. So, you know, one day might be an egg sandwich. The next might be overnight oats with whey protein and collagen. The next day might be a Greek yogurt of some sort. So like breakfast right there, there's three ways to get three different protein sources. Um, and then the same with uh, like meal prep. I always recommend you meal prep, maybe just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you make fresh on Wednesday. And then you have Thursday, Friday and pick different proteins for like your lunches or leftovers um, that way. So you know, if Monday is ground beef, then make, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is ground beef, then make Thursday, Friday, like ground turkey or something um, mixed with your veggies and rice or sweet potatoes. Um, just keep it super simple, but that way you're always rotating. Um, and then we check their food logs. Um, pretty much all of our clients do meal track. We start off, I'd say, you know, hey, track for four weeks and give us a baseline. And then a lot of people just enjoy tracking and continue on as they work with us. So if we see the same foods, that's something I bring to my client's attention. Like, Hey, you're super consistent on your macros, but let's like lay off of the eggs or whatever it might be and pick something else. The, uh, the one that got me was, um, you know, uh, I was real like hard on peanut butter because mm. peanut butter is not a nut. It's a uh, legume legume. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of gut irritants associated with legume and phytoestrogens. And there was plant-based lectins that were similar to gluten and legumes. So I talked about, you know, hey, if you're going to have them, make sure you're soaking the beans ahead of time. And, you know, like, don't crush a ton of beans. Like, if you want to go out and have some beans and rice or, you know, black beans or whatnot, like, just be smart. And I always talked about, you know, avoiding peanut butter because there's a peanut allergy is by far the biggest allergy in this country. Um, so I always talked, uh, always recommended or I still always recommend almond butter or finding other nut butters. Uh, when I got my food allergy testing, I was allergic to shit to almonds. Uh, like all these nuts I had like real high allergy, no reaction to peanut butter. And, uh, so at that point I was like, peanut butter is back in peanut butter's back. <laughs> and the kids, what, what, it's pretty funny. I, I sold myself for about a decade plus, maybe longer that almond butter was better than peanut butter, you know, like, Shampoo is better, you know, like I was like a uh, happy Gilmore or um, no, it was Billy Madison it was arguing between shampoo and conditioner. Uh, the same thing. I'd be like, oh, peanut butter sucks. I can't believe people choose peanut butter. Oh my, I love it. So much better. Guilty pleasure. I, I like, I'll go in and uh, um, so like this morning I had um, I, like, that's my deal. Like I, we went to Costco on Sunday. We had people, we had Harry Shaw and uh, come over. So I, I cooked some steaks and I've been eating them for breakfast for the last two days. So I had that, I have this uh, gluten-free toast that Kate got for the kids, which I totally steal, put two of that in, put peanut butter on it. And I'm like, God damn it. This is so good. I can't believe I lied to myself for all these decades. Big fan of an Elvis burger. I'm sure we'll get to don't be weird. Uh, is that a peanut butter, banana, uh, cheeseburger? Basically it's peanut butter and anything on a burger. And then usually depending if I'm in Oklahoma city or Nashville or Memphis, somewhere along that line in the country. There's some variation of an Elvis burger. I don't think I've ever seen it. that. And then do you, what do you drink with that? A Dr. Pepper? It's 12 beers. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever's there in front of me. Uh, but let's, we'll save the don't be weird for the end. Uh, moving from our flesh builds fret, f flesh, excuse me, fresh protein, builds flesh. eat with abandon. 
uh, yeah. Any any comment on Eat with Abandon? Uh, yeah, the Eat with Abandon stemmed from uh, like so early on. Uh, I was like a lot of what you uh, like a lot of what's layered in here was kind of rage against the zone, is what I used to call it. Uh, you know, you get rage against the machine. I was raging against the zone and all of this like stupid zone stuff. And what I, what was amazing with CrossFit in the zone was how they were under prescribing people on these foods. It's like, Hey, you're going to need seven zone blocks a day. And you're like, Holy shit, that's nothing. So, uh, when, of course I'm gonna lose weight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck you're like in starvation. Mode. So what was kind of bugging me a little bit is if you look at any of the protein refeeding studies, it's pretty fascinating. Like they've gone in and figured, you know, based on metabolic rates and they fed people pretty consistent to try to like, Hey, this is exactly how many calories you need. They've weighed them and they put them in like a, a trial. And then they did protein refeeding where they started feeding them like 10, 20 and 30% more protein up into calories. And not a single person gained a pound of fat. And when they went into body comps, only muscle went up. So mm -hmm. you don't really get fat from overeating on protein. So because these people were so regimented on the zone diet, I, uh, you know, and the fact that people kept asking me for like macros and this, and I remember telling them like, it's really hard to overeat on protein. Like I've tried, I've sat down and, uh, you know, like a 40 ounce steak, like I can hammer that pretty well. I couldn't give you four meals a day, a 40 ounce steak. Now I'd love to try. It's yeah. kind of like Thanksgiving, right? Like you know, if you're smart, you just try to eat as much turkey as you can on the front side and then just try to backfill with whatever's on the table. That's that's always been my plan. And that's what I always recommend to my clients on Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving was always a huge pain point. Thanksgiving's coming up. What do I do? Here's here's your deal. I want you to eat all of the turkey with reckless abandon, white meat, dark meat, leg, whatever you get, reckless abandon. I want you to go crazy and stuff yourself with turkey. And then after you've stuffed yourself with turkey, then I want you to try to eat whatever else is left. And uh, the, I remember I had one guy and he's like, dude, I crushed the turkey. I like took like one bite of stuffing and like the tryptophan got me and it was like a ninja blow dart. And I didn't even wake up for cake or for, uh, for pie. And uh, yeah. I thought that was a pretty good technique. So that's where the reckless abandon came from. I want you to eat your proteins with reckless abandon. And then if you're trying to, you know, be in another situation, backfill with all the other good stuff. And uh, I found it's really hard to overeat on carbohydrates when you eat with reckless abandon on the protein side. Mm -hmm. So it was just a strategy to get people to eat more protein. And, um, you know, the other one that kind of was been pretty interesting, and this was, I, I, I guess I was even in this a little bit where uh, I had this idea that carbs, like there was no essential carbohydrate. There's only essential fats. Proteins are essential for muscle and really the carbohydrates dependent upon energy expenditure. Um, that's a pretty interesting, and I think I've pivoted a little away from that now where, you know, for the Krebs cycle and the put on muscle, and, uh, this came from actually a bunch of studies where they looked at low carb diets and ketogenic diets. It's really hard to put on new muscle without some form of carbohydrate in the mix. Uh, even all the low carb ketogenic stuff, people lost fat. They didn't lose muscle, but they were very, very difficult environments to put on muscle. So for people that are like, I just need to lose weight. And I don't care if I put on muscle, ketogenic, low-carb diets do great. If you're a young individual who's trying to kick the door off the hinges, you need carbs. Um, side note, um, I'm in this group on Facebook uh, that's called Type 1 Grit. It's a Facebook page for uh, kids with type 1 diabetes. And it has parents in there, which is really the downfall of it. Uh, but one of the parents was in there, and this was a mom. 
talking about her 19 or 20 year old son who was 6'3", 175 pounds, started lifting weights and can't put on weight. And she was like asking for help. And as I was going through and reading all the comments of all these moms who have one, never lifted weights, <laughs> two, never been an 18, 19 year old boy, and three, never really have eaten with reckless abandon, the dietary restrictions and their like sleuthing for this, like made me just shut my computer and go to bed. And I realized how uneducated people are in terms of like muscle growth and size. Like my first question would be like, what's he doing for his training? You, you have him on a low carb diet. Why? Why are you carb fierce? I mean, he doesn't have type one diabetes. He probably has good insulin sensitivity due to age. He probably doesn't carry a lot of extraneous body fat. So he doesn't have an oxidative state and like all these things, but listening to these moms all want to talk about uh, one lifting weights, two muscle. Like it was, it, it just makes me realize that even when you have no fucking idea because you're on the internet, you feel that you're entitled to contribute to shit. Yeah. And um, it's always gone back to this idea of like, just because you can have an opinion doesn't mean that everybody's opinion has the same weight. Like, uh, is that a pun intended? No, it's not. It, it, it's there, there is no pun, but it's like, just like, I, I think everybody's, you know, Hey, like everybody's entitled to their opinion. The internet has proved that everybody has one. I just don't think that everybody's opinion should weigh the same. I'm not going to listen to some 40 year old mom. Who's one never lifted weights, never been an 18 to 20 year old boy and never fucking actually ever tried to put on muscle about how to do these things. And it's yeah. amazing that these women would chime in and one really skinny dude that run triathlons chimed in that they would chime in and be like, this is so far outside my fucking wheelhouse. You probably need to find a big Jack dude who knows what the fuck he's talking about. And, uh, you know, and what's so like, sorry to fucking deviate no. off, but, uh, like that piece of like knowing your wheelhouse, what do you do? And then finding people that can help you get there. You know, I mean, that's, uh, been a great kind of piece for us. So, yeah. And that's like, Sorry to gem, oh, gem yeah. in, but that battle, the bullshit, like there are so, especially in this industry, when it comes to nutrition, fitness, everyone has an opinion. Um, but keeping in mind that what worked for this 19 year old kid or whatever doesn't work for me as a almost 30 year old female with two kids, right? Like everything for me is going to look different than you or Tex or Rob. Um, so it's not a one size fits all, which is why shameless plug, having a coach is, is great. I think like all of us have, you know, a network that we bounce ideas off of like, Hey, do you think this will work for me? What do you think about this macro split, this training program for this goal? Will you help write a program? Like it's finding the right resources. Cause it's so individualized. Um, I mean, there are things, if you starve yourself and restrict calories, sure. You'll lose weight. Like there are like laws that will just work, but for the most part, it's pretty individualized and it's cyclical. Um, yeah, it's just, there's so much on the internet that could, I could go on for an hour about that. <laughs> well, the, well, the one I enjoy too, especially for women is, uh, I always think whenever I see any of these prescriptions for women, they're always under prescribing protein. Yeah. Always. I mean, always. Um, yeah. well, we I will mean, get to how much. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. It's, we're still on what to eat. Rob, you had a, a point to add? Well, I was going to um, kind of talk a little bit about this, something that Sam and I were talking about the other day. Is just, I think the, you know, the problem with the internet is that it gives um, people unrealistic expectations about how long some of this stuff takes. Mm -hmm. And that um, you know, they want it now and yesterday and that six weeks and four weeks or whatever. And, and the reality is 
you know, you kind of look at things. It is, it is such a long process and like just, you know, kind of, for instance, I, I recently went to my 35th high school class reunion and, and I grew up in a small town and, you know, people that stay in a small town uh, look a lot different than I do. And so, you know, when, you know, I had this conversation with several people is like, you know, I basically started, you know, doing this, you know, 25, 30 years ago, and I just never stopped. And, you know, that, and, and along the way, you just make little tweaks here and there to get to where you are. And most people want this, I want it yesterday kind of thing. And I think the internet has certainly fed that. So that's what I want to say. Yeah, no. And this again, segue from Rob, um, Texas, I was actually talking to coach Joe about this, um, over the weekend and women just bringing it back to women. So those lady listeners out there, they, uh, a lot of them come up to me and they're like, uh, Hey, what do you do? You know, I'm like, I lift heavy weights, right? Like here's power athlete. Like let me say, work. <laughs> it doesn't. And they're like, well, I don't want to get bulky. And I'm like, well, do you think I look bulky? Also, I'm trying to gain muscle mass right now. So like, please say yes. No. Um, but they're like, well, no, I just really like, you know, your arms or whatever that like compliment they give me, but then you get them in the gym and they are picking up five pound dumbbells, you know, or going to the cardio machine. Um, so it's just like people take what they want from the conversation, which is normally like nothing. Um, but you have to put in the work and you can start now, but you have to put in the work nutrition and fitness wise. If you want to see like quicker results, like Rob was saying, uh, same thing happens to my wife. People stop her everywhere and like ask her these training questions and she tells them the exact same thing. And they're always like, no, that'll never work. And you're like, <laughs> there's visual evidence right there yeah. in front of you. And, and, <laughs> and or, like, or, or, or they somehow think that they're, that she's lying to them. And I'm like, I mean, everywhere we go, somebody stops Kate and asks her like, like, what do you do for your arms? How, you know, on this. And she's like, uh, I bang heavy weights four days a week and I do aerobic work. And she kind of goes through this whole thing. Like, uh, you know, we have a, a assault bike at the house. We put a treadmill in the house and I'll take the dogs on a walk. So they're like, so wait a minute, you weigh and measure all your food. You lift weights heavy four days a week. And then you just do some like low endurance conditioning. She's like, yeah, that'll never work. And then like, they, they, they get upset and think that she lied to them. And um, she's like, ah. I've been there when she's told people we were at a bar and she was telling these women and these women were like, just shaking their heads like, no, 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 that can't work. That'll make me big and bulky. And she's just like, uh, <laughs> try okay. to get big and bulky. Oh, yeah. like, I've been trying it. Oh, and then my favorite is women that are like, oh, if I touch a weight, I'll just get, I'll, I'll look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I've been trying for years. And uh, unfortunately, I know that's not true. So um, you, but you could be the one, you could be the Neo <laughs> of this motherfucker. <laughs> I, uh, this is way off, but I went out for the first time in probably two years with a group of girls the other day. And this girl told me that she's like, yeah, I have like a $4,000 home gym. I'm like, that's cool. Me too. No. Um, but she was like, yeah, I smoke weed. And then I lift weights. And I was like, and she's like, Arnold Schwarzenegger did it. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, he also has a handful of Diana Ball. So, I mean, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> uh, the, uh, anyway. I, I actually had a good talk about, um, about this yesterday with Inkladon. Uh, we were talking about uh, like marijuana and like kind of like performance and, and um, you know, opiates and the whole deal. And his comment was pretty interesting in that, uh, well, on, on two fronts, uh, you know, he, he uh, for those of you guys don't know, he does a lot of cancer uh, research and works with a lot of people that have kind of stage four kind of gnarly cancers. And uh, I asked him one time about the CBD stuff and he's like, oh, he's like, dude, 
do you want any? I have boxes of CBD that, uh, the, the, you know, that the people have come in that I've treated, uh, after they pass away, the families will give me boxes of all these different CBDs that they were taking, trying to cure their cancer with the CBD. Do you want to try it? Have everyone. I kind of got kind of quiet and I'm like, so what you're saying, none of it works. He's like, no, he goes, I haven't, he goes, we've tested markers and looked and we've had people take every CBD on the planet and I haven't seen adjust any of the markers. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. So that one was pretty wild. And I was talking about marijuana in terms of performance. And he goes, well, I'll just tell you this. He goes, the amount of clients and ex-athletes that I work with who are big marijuana smokers, the amount of erectile dysfunction that they have is through the roof. He goes, uh, he goes, I find myself, that's like one of the biggest things I'm prescribing or we're prescribing working through. And it's one of the biggest complaints where guys are like, yeah, no, I smoke weed a couple of times a day and they come in and they get erectile dysfunction deal. And so he's like, you know, that we hand out this stuff. Like he goes, that's one of the biggest things we prescribe for guys. And he goes, what's amazing is the estrogens through the roof, the testosterone is, is having issues. And he goes, not a single one of them has a healthy androgen profile that regularly does it. So, um, the other one, and we then we were wrapping a little bit about Dr. Amen just came out with an interesting study where they looked at blood flow as it relates to marijuana. And uh, they were having people, I think, smoke, and then they were putting them into CAT scans and neuroscans and the whole deal. And they saw decreased blood flow into key areas where you don't want decreased blood flow. Mm-hmm. So Amen's stance was like, based upon this piece of research, we're not necessarily going to recommend that, you know, this is something that will fight off Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So, but I mean, they, they also saw decreased blood flow with, uh, with opiates too. So, you know, I mean, what's better, what's worse. I mean, I got to go with the marijuana and over like the opiate addiction, but you know, there's also some other issues for guys, especially as you age, you know, too much marijuana, you're going to run into some erectile dysfunction issues. Speaking of erectile dysfunction, <laughs> limiting your carbs. I don't know this from experience, just off what Luke used to say during his, uh, his hardcore CrossFit days. And getting into carbohydrates and your one liner, what used to be earn your carbs, sounds like it's evolved a little bit. Mm-hmm. And for many of the people that were attending, this was, this was new, some old John, can you introduce the three energy systems and where earn your carbs plays into eating vegetables, roots, tubers, and bulbs. Uh, yeah, we, uh, well, obviously your short energy system is called your ATP system, uh, which would be, you know, anywhere from zero to probably 29, 28, 30 seconds. And then anything in that mid length is going to be called your glycolytic energy system, which is going to push you out a little bit farther, which is really where you would think about CrossFit and high intensity exercises really in that glycolytic phase. And then that autonomic, uh, aerobic phase, uh, which is probably going to look like anything you do outside of that glycolytic, which could be anything from like walking or even not a monic phase or autonomic phase of us sitting here, heart breathing, uh, you know, body functions that we aren't necessarily controlling or in that aerobic deal. So what's, what really happened, I think with the CrossFit and what they tapped into was that like big hit glycolytic phase and that big glycolytic capacity engine, which is really predicated on, uh, carbohydrates and glycogen. So uh, anybody that's ever got into glycogen depletion and really just emptied the liver and that's where, you know, carbohydrates are stored or uh, converted into glycogen and it's pushed out into the muscles. But when you really get into that, like uh, big glycogen depletion, which we tried, I mean, we went low carb, did a bunch of CrossFit high intensity exercise. And all of a sudden that got like glycogen depletion phase is fucking no bueno. And it's not a fun place to be. So 
if you're doing some form of high intensity exercise, something that looks like CrossFit conditioning or really any of the power athlete programs that have a little bit of, you know, glycolytic conditioning, whether it be supersets or, you know, uh, D wads, if you're following Johnny Water doing any of that stuff, you're going to need some carbohydrates in the system. You can do it on a low carb diet. You're just going to have to go at a reduced pace. Well, introducing vegetables, is that a challenge for clients? It can be. Do, do people, I mean, uh, uh, it, it's interesting with all the different variations of vegetables, it's pretty amazing that people get stuck on like broccoli, asparagus, kale, and kale, tomatoes, tomatoes. I'm just speaking from experience. Oh, so those are the ones, I mean, like we constantly, like, I, I really take the Roy G. Biv thing to, uh, um, to an extreme when we walk in, you know, let's say you, like, I, I, I hate going to whole foods, but we went there last week for lunch every day because it was quick <laughs> and, you know, like it just worked. And when you walk in, I made a joke in the nutrition talk. I'm like, when we walk into whole foods, uh, the way it's designed is all that cut fruit is right there to suck in like the, uh, uh, like the, the feeble minded and just like the, the drones. And sure enough, <laughs> we walk in and fucking text, uh, Nick and Xanis just instantly all make a right turn and go right to the pre-cut fruit and walk. And I was like, see, fucking, there you go. Worker bee. nice to get in there drone. But like, that's why they design it because we're so designed to see those pretty colors. And when you mm -hmm. see them, it's like, all right. But when you see that cut stuff in there, you just are like, you know, watermelon. Then Tex was trying to give me, what was it? You were doing it for your heart? For my heart. Yeah. He's over the there eating. Taker. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what piece of research you found where it talked about consuming watermelon for uh, uh, coronary health, but I like it. And then, uh, but I, whenever we go in there, uh, I always like to tell the kids, I'm like, Hey, what's the most vibrant fruit or vibrant, um, you know, vegetable that you see? And I'll let them go pick the weirdest thing and then I'll buy it and I'll cook it for them. Uh, you know, I, I love Japanese sweet potatoes, anything that's purple, anything that's dark and um, try to cook that. Watermelon is rich in an amino acid called Arginine, citrulline, right? citrulline yeah. that help, may help move blood through the body and can lower your blood pressure. That's it. Yeah, that's <laughs> there, there's one study on that. <laughs> it's, and it tastes delicious. Yeah. And then I'm fine with that, but, uh, trying to like, like, how do you convince your clients to, to like eat with diversity? You know, we talk about eat with abandon, but be creative and really push them out. Is it like, Hey, I want you to go get this. Or do you just tell them to find creatively cool, colored, different things? The creatively cool colored, different things. Um, sometimes I'll do a spreadsheet. I mean, in the, the cheat sheet that we have on our protocols is really helpful because it's right there in their face. It's color coded. It's easy to, to reference. Um, but again, if you're tracking what you're eating, you can be like, I had broccoli, asparagus, salad mix or whatever. Um, and then you're like, Oh, maybe I should chop up some red onions or grab some cherry tomatoes. Uh, and just making it super, like easy, you laugh at the pick and prep stuff, but that's actually a good selling point for clients. Like it doesn't have to be challenging to, to eat fruits and vegetables. They cut it for you at the grocery store. I, our local grocery store will actually, if you bring them like a squash, they'll like prep it for you. Like, Hey, I want this one. They'll like cut it. And it's not even a bougie whole foods or anything. It's a local small town grocery store. Um, and then eating with the season. So fingers crossed, I get, um, the recipes out to y'all, but I'm coming up with like spaghetti squash, acorn squash, um, butternut squash, just like eating with the season, um, can, is an easy way. Great name of a blog, Sam. 
Write that down. Uh, I've been, um, because of Cashy's, uh, you know, uh, type one diabetes, finding things that we can simulate as carb that don't really have carb in them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just telling you cauliflower rice is a complete fucking aeropodope. It's not like rice. I know it doesn't it's, taste like rice. It doesn't taste like rice. It's a filler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm. Uh, we are completely in agreement. I had a client. I don't know how she did it. I think she roasted it and seasoned it with Mexican seasoning, and then she used that instead of tortilla chips and threw like fajita meat on top of it. Mm. it looked good. I have no idea how it tasted. She said she enjoyed it, but so we bought it. Like, so I've done it a couple different ways. We we got it in these bags. And what I do is yeah. I throw it in the pot with a little bit of water and I actually let the water like completely start to boil and cook down till there's no water left in it. And then the only thing left and then I would season it. That was pretty awful. The other way I did is I bought a head and I did the same thing where I roasted it and seized it. And then I threw it in the food processor and chopped it up real fine. That was actually better in trying to like convince them that it was rice. And uh, the funny part was, yeah, like I was trying to convince the kids like, oh, I got this new rice for you. And like, the problem is, is Cashy's like, I don't think this tastes like rice. And then my daughter is like, this isn't rice. He's totally lying to us. I know exactly what you're doing. You did this. I'm like, shut up. I'm trying to convince him. But yeah, she's, uh, uh, feels like, um, I call her, uh, uh, like the Dukes of Hazard. I'm like, right in the wrongs. She's like Bo and Luke Duke. Got to try to write straight, point everything out. Yeah. Talk shit at all times. But yeah, that, uh, that cauliflower rice, they need to call it something else. Because you go in thinking it tastes like rice, and you're like, this doesn't taste like rice. Why can't they just call it chopped chopped uh, cauliflower? I mean, because that's really. I'm not going to buy chopped cauliflower. <laughs> I will buy cauliflower rice. Uh, yeah, like I feel like that's like one of those. Uh, what the vegans have done real well is they've effectively like a rope doped us on this stuff, like the ultimate burger. No, it's not the ultimate burger. It's fake meat. Just Goop. call it the fake the fake pretend fantasy land. Um, fucking disgusting meat lab created thing that is in a patty cylinder shape like just there's no fucking way and then the other one is is like they have like fake hot dogs now it's my other like vegan hot dogs they're not fucking hot dogs like it's just i, I don't know it, Why it, do you, whatever happened to just like veggie burger like just call it what it is yeah veggie patty yeah veggie pa- i mean yeah that could be good every once in a while i don't know not uh, really, but I no, mean. <laughs> I uh, we tried to. I, I I have had veggie burgers. The only problem is there was more calorie in the veggie burger than there was in the meat burger. Yeah, that's another one. You're like, and a poor inflammatory response because they're they're shoved with beans and I don't know. Yeah, and crap. No. It's no. like when we uh, uh, decided to try pea protein, <laughs> and uh, that almost killed me. Like I was like, I've never been so sick in my life. Tex, on the other hand, big fan food. of free protein <laughs> yeah. hey, what kind of protein do you like whatever's free yeah me uh anything that causes Less me gi damn. distress i won't have it kate's like oh you, you haven't eaten any more of this pea protein i'm like because i'm not that stuff can go fuck itself <laughs> yeah bigger the tub fuck you I'll james suffer. cameron and your pea protein <laughs> nonsense I'm trying to think of an awkward transition for our next macronutrient um what's a james cameron movie Titanic? Titanic. Like you tanking right at this moment? Speaking of the Titanic lies that we've been told in the 90s on fats, let's get into it. (sighs) Okay, this started in 1959. Ansel Keys did something called the Seven Country Study where they looked at uh, heart disease. 
he found the major contributor to heart disease was triglycerides, triglycerides being influenced by highs, a high amount of carbohydrates. So uh, there was this idea that uh, triglycerides were tied to saturated fat and which had a relationship with heart disease. We found a couple of years ago that the sugar lobby paid him about $10,000 to vilify fat, saturated fat, and not sugar because they were protecting their own. And that is a real actual, that's not a conspiracy theory. That is a real live conspiracy because they actually found the payment. And the more interesting thing is in 1960, about six months after he put out that study, they put out a whole bunch of studies that disproved the seven country study. Unfortunately, nobody heard that because that's not what they wanted to hear. And then we got into this whole market of statins and creating all of these drugs about creating and lowering uh, dietary or sorry, uh, cholesterol in the system. And the idea that we got to lower cholesterol, these cholesterol is a major player in heart disease and triglycerides are, are dependent upon saturated fat. Mm -hmm. So what they did is they vilified the fat we eat as causing a big thing for heart disease and, uh, pretty much created a multi-billion dollar business behind it with all these different saturated drugs. And we found out all it was doing was just making people worse and killing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's still, and to this day, when you go to the doctor's office, they're still going to talk to you about the evils of saturated fat and this, even though it's been disproven, because that was what they were taught in the medical books. And more importantly, in the one day that most doctors went to a nutrition class. Yeah. So, but yet this they're going to sit there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. This might sound like ignorant because I'm by no means all knowing, but doctors don't know everything. <laughs> I well, mean, like they like you to think they do. Yeah, which is the scary part. Um, so if you ever get diagnosed or you get blood work or you get whatever, just like research it yourself. Um, There's like, a reason that I deal with, uh, with a research scientist like Inkladon, who's got a yeah. PhD, who actively does research and not a doctor, because the doctors don't know how to manipulate this stuff. Um, I'll just give you a case in point. Uh, my dad. Uh, gets his blood work done. They find out that he's, his testosterone is really low. So what does the doctor do? Gives him testosterone cream, uh, never brings him back to check him. And then after my dad had his third TIA and pretty much we thought he was, you know, about to stroke out, uh, I take him to Tom, we get his blood work done, had zero testosterone in his system. So all the testosterone he was taking was aromatizing to estrogen. Uh, the estrogen was through the roof. It was clotting and he was having TIAs, which were uh, temporal, uh, basically they're like mini strokes. Mm -hmm. And he had three of them before we figured this out. And I remember asking him, he was like, well, I was kind of embarrassed. Didn't want to tell anybody I was taking testosterone uh, cream. And pretty much this doctor never brought him back. If he had come back and tested him six weeks later, he would have looked and been like, well, what are you doing? Why, why is there no testosterone in your system? And why is it all aromatizing to estrogen? And at that point, you got to give him something like an arimidex or aromasin to try to block estrogen or just take him the fuck off it. So there was a healthy individual that the doctor thought he was going to fix and invariably ended up, you know, almost, uh, you know, putting him in an environment. And then what's wild is after he had that like third uh, TIA, and uh, I think that was kind of the like the straw that broke the camel's back. And then all of a sudden he ends up with, uh, you know, stomach cancer, you know, probably about six months later and uh, was gone two months after that. So, and up into that point had, you know, didn't have the cancer, hadn't had no issues. And so I think a lot of times uh, doctors think they're going to help, but unfortunately they don't have the knowledge to look at the entire picture. So, I mean, yeah. there's a, there's a deal where like, I mean, fuck some 18 year old bodybuilder on some forum knows more about fucking hormone 
optimization than some doctor who's writing prescriptions because he went to a weekend seminar. And, uh, you know, I did call that doctor and talk to him like, dude, you legitimately, you need to fucking up your game because you just killed an 80 year old man. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, just ask questions. But there's a reason why, uh, like after dealing with doctors in the NFL, I got to the point where I didn't want to deal with doctors. Um, You know, Doc Parsley uh, is like a seventh level wizard in terms of like hormones and knowing a lot of this stuff and like how to fix, because that's what he did for the SEAL teams. He took a bunch of broken SEALs and figured out how to optimize those guys and make them better. Uh, Inkladon, same thing. You know, he's done it through, you know, uh, micronutrients and, you know, different protocols and testing and the whole thing in terms of optimizing professional athletes. So I think people that are actually in the fight doing clinical research or Mm -hmm. dealing with patients that are going through these things are the guys you just don't want to go to just your local doc and be like, Hey, can I get a testosterone script? Sure. I went to a weekend seminar. Uh, it's, it, uh, it, it's pretty infuriating, but also I think the arrogance of the medical community is because I did this studying. Now I'm should be anointed as your fucking man God. Yeah, it's very, and sometimes the nurses or the nurse practitioners, like, I feel like they actually listen to you, um, more so than the doctors who give you the 10 minutes in the room with you. Um, just because I have had two babies back to back, I went to a new, um, like OB when I was pregnant, um, I had to get parallel care with my midwife and I had an ultrasound and I was waiting to like, you know, the doctor talks to you after the ultrasound to tell you like, yeah, your pregnancy looks good. Or, Hey, we're concerned about whatever. And instead of like even introducing herself to me, she just nailed, like, she was like, I cannot believe you're doing a home birth. You are going to die and your baby's going to die. And that was like her introduction to me. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'm gone. <laughs> Bye. Uh, um, like yeah, you, you want to hear about a, a, a fucking almost more ridiculous one than that. Uh, Cause that's fucking awful. Um, I left like so upset because she told me, even though you've done it once, that was like a fluke essentially. And now you are risking you and your baby unnecessarily. And she said, we will never see another mom. Um, like open to doing a home birth at our practice. And I was like, but I'm extremely healthy. And, but then she was like, you're very healthy. And so is your baby. And I'm like, and then she told me also don't lift lift anything over 40 pounds. And at that time I'm like, how am I supposed to lift a car seat? Yeah, no, it's so Cashy was, uh, he was born on the 11th and about three weeks later, his belly button got really infected and he actually ended up with staph in his belly button, uh, from Mm -hmm. the hospital. Um, so we had to take him into chalk and he went through this whole deal and, uh, Kate took him in and I'm with the other two kids. And so Kate calls me hysterical and she's like, Hey, uh, they want to do a, uh, spinal tap on him to check him for meningitis. And I'm like, no, or no. Yeah. What, what do they call it? They, they called it, uh, they, they had some other name for it, but it was basically it was a spinal tap. And so, uh, Kate's like, uh, you know, I'm like right in the middle of this fight. Uh, call my husband. So the doctor calls me and she's like, yeah, we need authorization to do this. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to let you stick a needle in the spine of my fucking three week old baby. And so I fucking basically shut it down. I'm like, he doesn't have meningitis. And and no, I don't authorize this. So I hang up, they call me back and the lady gets on the phone and she's like, can you explain to me why you're going to put your child's life at danger? Yeah, they make. And so I asked the doctor, I'm like, how old are you? She's like uh, 30 years old. I was like, okay, uh, you're 30 years old. Do you have any kids? She's like, no. And I told her, I'm like, basically, you're not going to get a chance to do something that you probably want to put on your fucking resume with my kid. 
And I was like, when you have some kids and you grow the fuck up, call me back up until that point, fuck off. And I hang up on her. And the lady's like, your husband's a, you know, and I'm like, dude, he was fine. He didn't have meningitis. And I'm like, dude, you're going to put my kid through an unnecessary uh, fucking procedure that's extremely dangerous because you, I'm like, fuck off. I'm like, no, you don't consent. And, uh, you know, the problem is, is that they uh, have this kind of like holier than now omnipotent attitude where like, you know, this is what I do. And I mean, even to the point when we were dealing with the type one diabetes, I'm in there with the doctors and they're telling me that protein doesn't have an insulogenic effect. So when you're counting carbs and the way they're doing this, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I've done ton of testing, not only with blood, with you know, a blood testing before and after I have an entire journal of this stuff. And you're telling me that a carbs, a carb and protein doesn't have any factor on insulin uh, production and blood and, and blood sugar. And they were like, no. And I was like, have any of you guys ever done any of this training? Have you guys actually ever eaten foods and checked your blood sugar and done this? And, and no, not a single one of them had. Yeah. And I'm like, so you guys are going purely off of the American diabetes association, ADA, which if you pull the research, isn't favorable. People that follow that protocol, you know, make it to 50, most of them, 80% ends up, end up with type two diabetes. I mean, it's, it's not a favorable outcome with it. And, uh, I think it's because we're, I mean, yeah, no, it's, uh, you want to get into some weird shit, man, that type one diabetes things for kids that juvenile diabetes is a whole different ball game and the way that they treat it versus there's, you know, others and the, the way we're managing with low carb. I mean, cash, hasn't taken insulin in weeks and managing with just a low carb diet you know, based on that Bernstein protocol, which is wild because when we go to his, his, um, his treat or his, uh, doctor's visits, they pull all of his Dexcom scores and the doctor's like, before they even ask us what the protocol we're following or what we're doing, the doctor's like his Dexcom looks amazing. This looks he has the A1C and the blood sugar of, of individual that doesn't have type one diabetes. And then we talk to him and then we're like, well, he just eats a low carb diet, eats high protein. And this is what he's doing. And the doctor's like, even though this isn't the protocol we recommend, we can't argue with the results. And we found one endo that's that believe that the, the other ones are like, if he has carbs, he's not going to grow. He's going to die. And it's, it's fucking unbelievable. But then when you ask him, you're like, isn't diabetes, uh, a disease of, car- of carbohydrates? I mean, it's the lack of ability to digest, you know, and that's type two, but, um, it's, uh, extremely frustrating as an adult to go through this. And the problem is a lot of parents don't have resources like I do, or more importantly, access to this information. So they just do what the doctor tells them. And then we were in there last time and a lady came in with a three-year-old who was type one diabetic and she was wheeling the kid mm. in, in a, in a, in a cart because the, the little girl was so fat, she couldn't walk. Mm. And what they're doing is letting the little girl pick what food she wants, which looks like, uh, uh, pancakes, uh, sugary cereals and donuts. And then they're just managing it based off of what she feels comfortable eating. So they're letting a three-year-old select her diet and then just dosing her with insulin to try to balance it out. And then she does this. And this little girl was so fat. Like, I, I, I like, I mean, that's child abuse to me. Yeah. It breaks three, like three-year-olds don't get to pick your, their diet. I don't no. think 18-year-olds get to pick their diet. <laughs> you don't get to pick your diet. <laughs> and if you're our well, clients, you, you see what happens when you set me free inside of Whole Foods. Okay, <laughs> right right there, for the just, fruits. Yeah, you go right for the fruits. Well, what, uh, well, let's yep, speak to us about fruit. the fats. We understand cash is on a high protein diet. We'll yep. get into how much shortly, but well, what I mean, about the fat sources that you, you're providing? You got to have fat in the diet because that's what helps with the digestion. Because if you eat a high protein diet in a low fat environment, no carbs, you're going to be real constipated. So mm-hmm. I know that like, uh, that's something we have to constantly check on a high because he's eating like about 125, 150 grams of protein a day. And so I got to make sure to give him fats because fat also slows absorption on the stomach. So he doesn't get as hungry. 
but also that's what helps number two happen. And we introduce animal fats, coconut, avocado, and olives. Yeah. So we went with saturated fats, uh, both uh, um, animal-based and also plant-based, but also monounsaturated fats. Uh, I think uh, a lot of the issues that we're seeing in this country are not coming from saturated or monounsaturated are coming from the polysaturated and especially from the seed oils and the seed fats. Can you explain quickly the difference between the omega-3 and the omega-6 plant fat? Uh, no. Okay. Um, not off the top of my head. I would have to go look. All right. That thanks, was a thanks for throwing me lecture. on the spot here. But there, we, we did have a big piece of lecture. I just can't remember exactly what that piece of the lecture was. We don't if have you to want, have it right now. If you want to throw it out there, if you remember. No. <laughs> No, I, uh, um, I got away a little bit from that omega-3, omega-6 thing. Okay. Um, the reason being is early on, we really talked about like, uh, you know, eating foods, you know, that are uh, heavier in omega-3s. But then the problem was we were wrecking people do nuts and, you know, a handful of walnuts is going to basically smash all your omega-3s. So we talked more about EPA and uh, DHA uh, coming from some something like fish oil or eating some like fatty uh, cold fish you know, uh, fish from cold places. But, you know, at the time people were eating so much meat and they're like, Oh, I'm eating grass fed meat because of the omega threes. And I'm like, no, that, that's not really a thing, even though it sounds good. Uh, it's like, uh, when Tony Gonzalez came with his protein, which was from, uh, grass fed animals, he was talking about the whey protein, having a more favorable amino three profile. But what do we know about whey protein? It's just the protein. There's no fat in there. So where would the omega threes be? So I, I think a lot of that stuff just kind of, kind of thrown by the wayside a little bit where if you get your blood work and you're low in those, but you know, three to five, uh, you know, I take, um, uh, with every meal, I try to take one to through one to two, uh, DHA, EPA, uh, fish oil things or tablets. And I think that usually hits the number pretty well. And then obviously, you know, using, uh, olive oil for that monounsaturated fat being ideal. I mean, there's pretty amazing studies that talk about the countries and the, the groups of people, especially in the Mediterranean that consume higher amounts of olive oil, have a greater sense of wellness and happiness than those that don't. So well, it's because they're living in the Mediterranean. Anyway, the tagline with fats is fat on the plate does not equal fat on the waist. Yep. In speaking to clients, how has this helped direct them to eating and consuming fats for performance or bulking or leaning in their goals? Robbie, yeah, I mean, it's still a tough one because people still have that belief of eating fat. I mean, that's just such a long term thing that people have had, you know, kind of going back to like what John was saying with, um, you know, the Ansel Keys uh, study. 1959, dude. Now we're talking about yeah. like roughly 60 plus years of being fed this narrative, especially in the, um, you know, the food pyramid and with schools, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's still it's still a tough one. So we, you know, we I personally just kind of tell people to rotate and you know just also um you know being careful right because as we kind of have talked about a drizzle becomes a pour pretty quickly right you don't need as much uh just because it is so calorically dense uh but it's really just kind of you know i think all of this whether it's the protein or the carbohydrates or the fats it's just consistent messaging throughout uh every time we talk to them about stuff like that and eventually you're kind of planting the seed and then watering it every time you talk to them and just keeping them moving in that direction. And then for a lot of people, that's really what it is, is guiding them into the right direction with consistent messaging. So, 
Yeah. And if you're, you know, following a higher protein diet, you actually want the higher fat for the reasons you said, John, but also it's really boring if you're only eating chicken breast. So when you, you know, are adding in, you know, red meat, you're going to get higher fat. So if it's, I hate to say it loud, but you just find a better balance between the protein and fat. And we try and make the plans that way so that you're not like, oh, I need, you know, 150 grams of protein, but I only have 10 grams of fat today. Like that wouldn't really be. <laughs> no, that, um, uh, uh, it, like it, it's pretty interesting. Um, like I think, and, and this is, uh, uh, like I've seen this with my kids, uh, like regularity with going number, you know, with, uh, with going number two is a huge one. If you're, you know, eating a high protein diet and you find yourself going to the bathroom once every three or four days, that's a huge problem. And mm-hmm. then, uh, um, and I know this cause we found out with Cashy, like he didn't go poop for like two or three days. And I was like, I was like, when did you go poop at school? And he's like, nope. I'm like, Oh God. So like I made him a shake full of like uh, coconut milk and some like other stuff. And, uh, all of a sudden he went in there and went to go do battle and he came out and he was like, Ooh, that was real painful. <laughs> and, uh, he was like, I could see him kind of like sitting down real awkward. And I was like, man, I gotta be a little more on this just because, um, you know, it, like, yeah. Like it's, that should be a good indicator. So. Yeah. That's why another thing we talk about is staying hydrated because when you're on a, a high protein diet, just the way you break it down, you, you need more water, um, to balance it out. But, uh, and then back to the omega three, omega six, like the foods, especially if you're not eating a more whole foods diet and you're going out to eat, like the vegetable oils are really going to shoot up that omega six. So the balance you want, um, most Americans will take, like, it's beneficial to take an omega-3 supplement. So like you said, um, I use Thorn, their omega-3 with CoQ10. Like, that's what I take every day. And I've, I don't know, it works. <laughs> and I take it with my vitamin D. Since yeah. vitamin D is fat soluble, if you take them together, you're actually using the vitamin Ooh. instead of just... And look at the that? big brain on Sam. And what an interesting <laughs> coincidence that we offer both of these at thorn.com slash you slash power athlete and 20% off. What? That's in the, <laughs> linked in the show notes. Linked in the show notes. No, uh, I'm, yeah, no, I'm a big fan. And especially in the vitamin D stuff. I mean, uh, anybody that hasn't gone and gotten their vitamin D levels checked, go make it happen now. Mm-hmm. Go and get some vitamin D testing. It's super easy. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get this, this podcast slapped with any like, anti-COVID stuff, and I'm not saying in any ways, but they know that one of the big determining factors is vitamin D levels in terms of being able to fight off sickness and illness. So that's why all of a sudden winter starts to get hit, uh, sun, you know, longer nights, shorter days, less sun exposure. Now all of a sudden people tend to get sick. So make sure you're supplementing with vitamin D, but only if you're going and getting tested, because then you have to decide, because here's the deal, you get tested once, you supplement with it, you need to go back and see if it actually made a difference. And if it, and because we don't want too much vitamin D, just like you don't want too much vitamin A, which takes found out by consuming copious amounts of liver. Keto, baby. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Tex was drinking like a 12 pack of Modelo a day and <laughs> no. eating like four loaves of bread and was totally ketogenic because it was just bypassing his Krebs cycle because he was eating so much vitamin A. It's a great way to lose LBs. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You look inflamed. You were so puffy. You're like, why is my neck like, why want I push into a finger on my neck? Does it stay there like an old woman's? <laughs> Fat legs. Gross. Uh, next. <laughs> Do you got any more awkward transitions, Arcadia? Well, I'm going to limit your 
uh, ribbing on me, John, just like our limit list of nuts, seeds, and fruits. Why would you recommend only limiting these to one to two servings per client? Uh, it, it says limit, not avoid. Because what I found, and you guys will find this too, and I'm sure you you will chime in and agree, when you look at people's food logs, the easiest kind of fat and carb sources are to grab fruit, nuts, and seeds. And in Glassman's original thing where it's like eat meat, nuts, seeds, fruits, I mean, it was it was right in Glassman's 100 words of fitness. But I got tired of looking at these, uh, you know, food logs when people would break it down. Everybody was using some form of uh, nut and seed for their fats, and everybody was eating fruit for their carbohydrates. And so I don't mind like a piece of fruit and like maybe uh, a little nut butter or a handful here and there, but you have to eat with diversity and just going to the fruit every time is not beneficial. So that's why I got limit, not avoid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you're starving, I always recommend like grab some veggies or a piece of fruit, right? Like people get wrapped around the axle of this medium-sized apple has, I forget how many carbs. And I'm like, but if you're starving, it's okay <laughs> to grab an apple. Um, I had a client one time who literally made a spreadsheet instead of, I don't know why she didn't use my fitness pal, but she's like, look what I did. And it was like one ounce of cucumber has this many calories. And I was like, will eat the cucumber. Yeah. Uh, I was like Paul Carter's. Uh, nobody got sent to fat or so nobody ever got kicked out of fat camp for eating too many vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like, uh, I mean, it's probably the only intelligent thing Paul Carter's ever said. That was a joke. He said a lot of intelligent things, but uh, I, I did really like that one was good. I was like, hey, nobody got kicked out of fat camp for eating too many vegetables. So that was interesting when talking with people and they were like, oh, well, how many, you know, uh, you know, it, it's okay that I ate a little bit more. I'm like, you can overeat your vegetables just like you can overeat your protein. Yeah. And, uh, and that's you know, where the, you just need to be a little bit more aware of fruit. Um, I, you know, because there is fructose in it. So it is higher carb. So you can get that, you know, blood sugar spike, but it's great around a workout. Yeah. Um, like eating bit. orange after a workout, you get vitamin C. But there's also Half fiber. Time. Mom there's, was right. There's also, oh yeah, no, hundred percent. We hit it up. Uh, but there's also fiber in there. So, yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's a lot more than just fructose. And the mm -hmm. age old one I used to put up was, a, you know, fruit is not just fructose. There's other things in fruit, uh, like the, uh, like the white stuff, like when you go peel an orange, that white stuff, uh, for an orange and for a grapefruit is, is an incredible antiviral. So, uh, like that was one I remember Inkledon told me years ago and he's like, Hey, if you're going to eat fruit or, or grapefruit, like make sure you're trying to get as much of like the, the white stuff, like the connective between the skin and the, and the fruit, try to get as much of that as consumed as possible. Cause that's got a real great antiviral profile. That's great. So like, yeah, easy enough. You didn't know that, did you, Tex? I didn't. I haven't been sick in like four years. But you, you haven't been sick? Four cuties a day. <laughs> I'm, I've never taken a sick tech. I'm like that uh, Bruce Willis in that You've M. Night never Shyamalan taken a sick, a sick day? No. Check the record. Uh, you've taken emotional sick days. <laughs> well, from all your ribbings. Uh, <laughs> well, so I didn't know we were, uh, uh, you know, Luke leaves and now we're in a kind and gentle office. Uh, yeah, I took a David Carr mental health day. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to avoid any awkward transition, just like our long avoid list, John, which includes grains, uh, pseudo grains, legumes, soy, corn, veggie, nut and seed oils. I feel yeah. like you were ahead of the curve with those. Yeah, the uh, 
man, like um, I've walked back a little bit of that stuff. Uh, I do think that maybe there's a little bit of benefit to consuming like some black beans and throwing some lagoons in on occasion. Uh, I think, uh, but I would not want to consume those on a daily basis just because that carbohydrate-based lectin acts very similar to gluten within the gut. Um, I haven't found a performance benefit for consuming gluten. I think there's other carb sources and there really isn't. It's a plant-based protein and doesn't necessarily aid us in any performance way. Now, if you don't react to it and you want to consume it, that's fine. Um, but I think even on like, even the people that don't react, I believe there's always some low level inflammation. Um, I've just, uh, I've never just found a performance benefit to, you know, eating a ton of gluten. And there's a lot of gluten-free options now, if you want to consume some stuff. Uh, I remember my mom used to constantly ask me about quinoa. It's another complete protein. So that's why I threw in the, uh, the pseudo grains, which are, um, from flat, I think it's flat leaves. Um, you know, if you don't react to this stuff, then it's not a big issue, but we found a large amount of people were reacting to this stuff. So that's where I got in. And then I, I, I walked back, I used to have oats in there and I used to have rice. We'll get there. I walked back on those because I never found a person that, well, actually it's not true. I found one person who had some form of allergic reaction to rice where they would have white rice and they were getting a ton of bloat in their stomach. I mean, white rice is pure glucose. So, I mean, what, what else was going on? They couldn't digest it. It's like, uh, you know, meeting people that do the carnivore diet because they're so metabolically broken that the only thing they can consume is one, you know, one form of food. So, I mean, the definition of metabolic flexibility is you can consume the most amount of foods and be healthy. So, yeah, I walked back the white rice and then I also walked back on the oats because they have really bitching gluten-free oats. So we didn't necessarily have any problems with oats. Those mm -hmm. were categorized as up to use. Yep. Yeah. So those are purely based on whether or not you can tolerate them. So I'll walk back on those. Final piece, dairy, fresh versus fermented. Mm -hmm. uh, every hunter-gatherer tribe uh, that would that uh, Ansel Keys, or not Ansel Keys, um, Weston Price looked at, consumed some form, well, not everyone, but a, a good portion of them, consumed some form of fermented dairy. I think the only ones might have been the Anute, but they consumed a diet purely of like seal and whale meat and like seal blubber. Just they just didn't have access to it. Uh, but like the Maasai warrior, and there were just others that can had some form of fermented dairy in the system. And uh, they were all pretty healthy. So there's a distinction between fermented, which would be like Greek yogurt and cheese. Uh, what, what's cool about the fermentation process is it blunts the lactose. And you can get much lower lactose and still keep the protein in the system. Fresh dairy. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I really think. Uh, and. Uh, like just kind of personally feel like even though we have the ability to digest dairy after weaning, which is a kind of a genetic abnormality. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't have that gene, but if you're from a Northern white kind of background, you have that gene to digest dairy after weaning. I think um, it's not necessarily a problem. I just wouldn't go and drink a gallon of milk as a 40 year old. So like, I'll put a little like, uh, you know, whole cream or a little bit of something in coffee on occasion, or maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit of ice cream on occasion, but like the days of me sitting down and having four and five, six glasses of whole milk, uh, I'm not doing that at my age. Now for my kids, not necessarily as much of a problem, uh, but I, I leave it up to them. Do you guys want me to buy milk? No. Sometimes they're like, yes. And we've kind of gone back and forth and, you know, uh, it's, I think it's dependent, but I like, I don't think as an adult, 
a 40 plus year old adult that um, I, if I sat down and was drinking a gallon of milk a day wouldn't necessarily benefit me in any way. I mean, it's, a, it's there, there's other ways for me to get those uh, macronutrients more so than consuming milk. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Greek yogurt or Icelandic yogurt. You talk about eating the same thing. That's pretty much my breakfast. What's Icelandic yogurt? It's, it's made with real little bits, Icelandic people. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you feel more like a CrossFit athlete. No, I just really right. like what the brand Siggy's. And I always called it Greek, but I guess it's Icelandic. So well, it's, it's, big it's, guy. it's fermented. I mean, ah. so it's, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like Greek yogurt is just fermented yogurt, yeah. but. I mean, there's yeah. different, like, there's a couple yeah. different ones. I just love the tangy taste. Like it's got that little bit of tang to it. Oh, it's so good. So I do that with Manuka honey because there are more antioxidants in Manuka than regular honey yeah. and then cinnamon. And I'll throw my collagen in it and literally every single day. That's what I do. Mm, sounds good. It's good. My girls lo- or my, I guess my youngest isn't eating yet, but um, Marin loves it too. That's, so that's, that's, well, actually, the kids will eat whatever you like. That's what we yeah. figured out. Like, if we're like, mm, they're like, mm, it's great. Except oh, flour lice. Right. Yeah. yeah, lice. Lice. Mm. Well, that's not a bad one. It does kind of look like lice. <laughs> uh, yeah. She's bigger. That's what I'll tell Jamie she's eating. Got you back. Uh, no, uh, she'll talk shit to you and be like, whatever, Texas Daisy. You're like, God damn it. You're like, I can't wait till you're old enough to have me punch you in the stomach. <laughs> Sit in your corner. Uh, well, we've covered what to eat. Now let's take a brief moment and talk about when. Food mm. timing. Remember when this was a big deal? Uh, yeah, I, I think um, when, we, when I originally wrote this, I had a much bigger appreciation for, for, uh, for nutrient timing. And I think now I've got the, uh, you know, we had, um, God, who, who did we have on? Oh, I know. I know exactly what it looks like. But do you remember who was the guy we had on that talked about? Keith Barr. Uh, Keith Barr that talked about uh, protein synthesis. Uh-huh. And more importantly, like the, the anabolic window needed for protein. So there was this idea that, you know, like you hear bros being like, dude, if you don't consume, uh, you know, X amount of protein within 30 minutes post-training, you're going to miss your anabolic window. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keith Barr came on and they did research where they found that that anabolic window is directly dependent to age mm-hmm. and training, uh, experience. So for like a young, healthy individual, that anabolic window could be up to 48 hours, uh, for a, uh, and the people they did the, the research on were like 60 and 70 year old people, old people that were trying to fight up sarcopenia. They had an anabolic window of like, I think he what, it was like one to two hours. Yeah. So at the time, the research that people were extrapolating. And it wasn't until he uh, told us about the study and then, and then sent the link over. And then I went and I read it, uh, you know, it's uh, like the study was all done on old people. So yeah, the anabolic window was very, very prevalent. So we made that recommendation, like, um, you know, ideally, you know, you want to eat something in that pre-workout window, you want to train, if you want to include something in that kind of peri inter workout window, and then immediately post, I think uh, I've walked back a little bit on that one where now it's like, as long as you're eating a high protein meal somewhere after that training, it doesn't have to be like, let me race home and slam a protein shake. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as long as I'm eating a high protein meal within, you know, a couple hours of that training session, I'm usually fine. But if you're trying to match your macros and you know, Hey, I got to eat 3000 calories today, which looks like, you know, five, 600 calorie meals or, 
you know, uh, you know, uh, two 1000 meals and two 500s, I'm going to need to space those accordingly. So I'm more consumed, concerned with, can you get your training done and can you consume your daily macros within the given amount of time? So that's where I kind of walked it back a little bit. We're going to close with macros, John. Next up, how much? Let's start with protein. How much protein are we encouraging people to consume? Uh, kick it to you guys, seeing as I've been talking way too much. <laughs> what, one, one, one gram uh, per pound is what we typically recommend. And for is some that people, goal body weight, Rob, or current body weight? I, I usually use current body weight depending on what, what someone's doing. So that question to me is like, hey, if I'm following Jack Street and I'm doing dumbbell bench, do I put down a combination? Do I add the dumbbells together or do I just list the one dumbbell? That's like oh, that's a similar so question. I, I pose that question is because I've received that question in a nutrition lecture and I want to make sure. About adding up dumbbells? Uh know about how much protein consume. If I yeah. want to gain 15 pounds, I'm not consuming well, well, that plus 15. My favorite was always like, well, you know, is it a total body or is it total body weight or is it lean body mass? And my first question to them is what's your lean body mass? Exactly. Yeah, and they go, I don't yeah. know. I'm like, then why the fuck would you ask this question? <laughs> like, I, uh, like, like, ew. <laughs> Like uh, the, the amount of people that would throw that out and my, and I'm always my responsible. What's your lean body mass? I don't know. I've never got my body fat done. Well then how the fucking, like, what are we supposed to use? Uh, uh, you know, a, a Ouija board to contract your ancestors to figure this shit out. No, just go off of what your fucking scale weight is. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't add up the fucking dumbbells. If I say to you, Hey, would you hit on dumbbell bench? He said, I want to hit the hundreds. And I go, great. Go grab the hundreds. You're like, no, I just did 50. I added them up. You know what happens? You're going to get Sparta kicked in the chest out of the gym. <laughs> I know. Yeah. This is Sparta. <laughs> I like Kate's post yesterday. That was like, what does one do with a 150 pound dumbbell? Uh, crossover step ups. <laughs> well, seeing as it weighs way more than her. So yeah. I'm like, uh, you need to gain weight, skinny. <laughs> she's just jacked. No, she's shredded. I, uh, it's, it's fucking impressive. And then the funny part is, is like the amount of people. And I, I dude, I still laugh. Like I'm like, she's uh, uh, in such good shape. And these women are constantly fucking on her and she's even like we have a gym you should come train with me i have a training group and like she still can't get these women over and uh and then the funny part is she'll train with them and they see what she's doing and they're like i'll never be able to do that and she's like well yeah not coming once a month right like it's it's so weird that like there's this like lens of like hey here's the opportunity this is what i do you can come do it too all you have to do is this and they just like put up all these barriers and blocks and why they can't do it it's it's really just I, she she comes home and is like, I just can't figure it out. I'm like, welcome to the job of uh, of everything we do. I'm like, wait, you know, on the nutrition side, on the training side, uh, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. that's something, this is a caveat, but like Rob and I talk about this. Um, it's really not that hard, um, but it has to be, you have to just have to chip away at it, right? Like it becomes a lifestyle it doesn't have to be obsessive. It doesn't have to be like the, don't be weird. You can still go out, have fun, but easy, Sam. Okay. We'll get, we'll get there. Yeah. Let's get there. Okay. Last one. Well, we need to cover quickly. Roy G. Biv. Uh, yeah. Roy G. Biv red, yellow, indigo, blue, and violet. So it's the colors of the rainbow. And what else is it in terms of uh, guidelines and nutrition? How you can easily get your micronutrients. 
So if you diversify your fruits, veggies, just like your fats and proteins, you're going to be hitting a lot of the micronutrients that you need. Um, you know, people get pushed like greens supplements, which they have their place if you're in, you know, a severe cut or deficit. Um, but most of the time, rotating fruits and veggies are going to be good uh, with your micronutrient levels. So. Yeah, I think the the greens, the, I think it's interesting that the greens are such a big thing because I think that's the easiest thing for people to get. Like, I, I think people really struggle with the other colors. Greens, like the easy one, like like you were saying earlier, John. So, so athletic greens, because the greens are easiest to get, actually the athletic greens is by far the most overly redundant deal. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. our company, Athletic Violets, is, is going to crush it. Uh, I thought it was athletic <laughs> eggplants. Athletic it, indigos? Uh, yeah, it's Indig- just indigos. It's just a whole Indigo, bunch of eggplant right? uh, yeah. emojis. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird because Charles sends me those all the time. I just didn't thought he was looking for athletic greens. <laughs> I'm going to backtrack a minute. I wanted to say this about yogurt. Um, if you're eating it, we were talking about digestion and going to the bathroom. That can also take the place of like a prebiotic um, mm. because you get those in yogurt. So it's an inexpensive way to maybe cut out a supplement if you're taking like a prebiotic. Or probiotic so anyway good well okay nope i don't want to give it all away but we got to conclude with macros no we're not talking about macros I'm what do you mean i'm tired of talking on, about bro. macros no it, it's well like, i'm gonna eat whatever fits uh i think if you are consuming a high protein diet and at least one gram of protein per pound of body weight and then you're bound you're back filling with carbohydrates and fat based upon taste I think we can save macros for another day because I feel like macros has been absolutely curb stomped on the internet within the last, I mean, everybody's got this like this secret macronutrient ratio and this. And uh, the one thing I did appreciate about Stan Efferding's uh, vertical diet when he was on the podcast, he didn't talk about macros. He talked about micronutrients and eating for micronutrients. And like, it was, uh, it was such a fresh breath of air. And we do talk about macros because people unfortunately need landmarks, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, uh, if you're eating a high protein diet and then you're kind of balancing with between the carbohydrates and fat, and that's where we start to kind of get into this. And that's where I think of the nutrition ninjas are so beneficial. I think that's really based on the individual. More importantly, if they're trying to lose weight, gain weight, and how we're kind of skidding back into it. So let's not talk about that first. Episode 286 with Stan Efferding. Let's get into the, let's don't get weird. Okay. The final note, the mystery in which you have this big blank space on the board. And you finally get there, and then you just bring it all home, John. Don't be laying weird. this plan. Plan. Yeah. So, so the don't be weird thing uh, came from we taught a seminar at Balboa years ago. So CrossFit football at CrossFit Balboa, which was our home gym. And I remember this dude walks in, and he's like, no shoes. I think he might have been wearing like a a, a fur loincloth, um, ill-fitting, kind of weirdly cut-up tank top. I think he had a coonskid hat. And he had like a, like a bag that was made from like a stomach of an animal. And I saw this dude come in he smelled poorly. And, uh, we get into this thing and he's like, you know, taking all these notes, he gets underneath, we go start lifting weights. He can't do dead bugs. He can't do any of the warmups. We get underneath the bar to start barbell back squatting. He's like the dog shitting a race blade at 135, And like by far the lowest performer we had ever had at that point to a, a, a CrossFit football seminar. The only lower performing individual we had at that was Lauren Glassman. 
Greg's wife, the inventor of CrossFit, Lauren was like, hadn't ever lifted weights, which is weird. Uh, but, uh, this guy was just, he couldn't do anything. He was out of breath. He was tired. He was inflamed, just had a lot of problems. So, uh, we get into this thing, we get into the nutrition talk and he like has a million questions. So finally I was like, yo man, okay. Uh, he was asking about, uh, he didn't believe that you should cook your food. He thought that like the greatest form of, uh, you know, uh, getting back to your roots. I mean, primal was eating all your food raw. So he was a, a raw food eater. And, uh, I asked him, I was like, Hey man, like, I believe that as animals, some point, you know, we ate all of our food in a raw state, but I think the first time we came across like a big forest fire that, uh, that encompassed animals and we scavenged and found cooked meat, we never ate raw meat again. The minute that something got cooked, I think we, the, the bioavailability increased or, or gut digested it bigger, uh, because of the digestion, we didn't have as many gut problems. So now all of a sudden there was more resource to go to the brain, the brain grew. And, uh, I was like, dude, I, I really think there was a point in our evolutionary history where there was a deviation. You know, we talk about like the bipedals, Andy and Artie standing up, um, you know, and then I think the other deviation was when the, when they, you know, found fire and they started cooking meat. I think that was where we all of a sudden just separated. And uh, he was like, no, no, no. And so he gives me his diet, which kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit listening to it. But he used to drink this thing that he called his elixir, which was like a dozen raw eggs, raw cream, and then raw chocolate. And then he would shake it up and drink it. And he had this thing in like a mason jar and he was like sipping his elixir, as he called it. And I told him like, first of all, that smells fucking awful. Um, the smell from you like your body is absolutely horrendous. You're by far the lowest performer, weakest individual we've had. And the inflammation within your face and your hands and your legs, like to the point where like, if you were to take your finger and press it into his leg, you would probably see that finger mark for like days. So the dudes like the inflammation, you could just see the inflammation in his body everywhere was inflamed. I mean, by far the weakest, zero capacity, no ability to do anything. And just the lowest level performer we'd ever had. And dude, just the smell. And I told him, I was like, Hey man, if like you think that by some means that your performance here has been fucking incredible, that you've crushed this thing. And, uh, you know, the smell coming off you is any indicator. And more importantly, I can just see the inflammation in your body. If you think that this is healthy, I think you should pivot 180. And I think you should get away from this as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately he was so locked in on like his image and the whole deal that he couldn't pivot. And instantly I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about, even though, I mean, dude, we had women out there that were literally fucking like, you know, had just been training for a few months that were dramatically stronger, pulled more weight, squatted more weight, bench more weight, did everything. And not that women are weaker, but like as a dude who, can, who, who trains and is into this lifestyle, the guy was so far from what I would deem as healthy. And so that's what coined the whole, like, don't be weird. If you find yourself getting into a weird place where you're counting almonds and drinking weird elixirs and doing things, you've gone too far and you need to come back from the, from the edge. And, uh, we would periodically run into people that had gone too far that all of a sudden had gotten to this weird place where all of a sudden, like we had to like pull them back from the, from the flame, pull them back from the edge. And, uh, that moment was where I added in the don't be weird into yeah. the nutrition lecture. I always wonder what happened to that stinky little guy. <laughs> if you're out there, he's probably listening to me. Let us know. Son of a bitch. Well, if he's listening, then maybe like, he's changed. Like when, when he cracked that uh, mason jar full of his elixir, 
the smell was like, like literally cleared out the room to where people were like, Oh God, you know, like, what was it where, um, you remember where it's a sex Panther and she's yeah. like, it smells like gasoline. It's like a uh, baby diaper. Covered yeah. in Indian he's like, food. Ooh, that's potent. Same shit. Like I was like, do, do you call it sex Panther? So yeah, that was wild. Yep. And uh, that was how I don't be weird. I was like, and stop wearing a loincloth. Nobody wants to see you wear a long loincloth. It's what? Carrying <laughs> your shit oh, in a satchel. The whole visual. Oh yeah, dude. He was a strange dude. Like, you know, oh, you know, connect. I mean, I, I did appreciate the barefoot, like connected to the ground, but like the idea, like in the raw the, the raw meat, raw food, everything raw is just so weird. I mean, I appreciate raw meat. I'm sure you guys like um, what's it called? Um Tartar? Yes, like steak tartare. I dig steak tartare where they put like the little robin egg or like the, the small little egg and the mustard on like some like uh, a toast. I'm a, a huge fan, but I'm really looking forward to the cooked steak that comes after that. You know, and I I, I do like it black and blue. I like a um, uh, a fillet where it's just like crusted on the outside and it's raw in the middle, but not every time. Like it's just, I can't imagine eating raw meat at every point. There's no way. Or the poke bowl that just came out on the blog. Oh, well, that's raw, raw fish. That's a little yeah. bit different. I'm a huge fan of raw fish. I know, I know. But yeah, raw meat. So raw, at the end of the day, raw. all this stuff is great information. But if you There's feel yourself meat. getting into a weird place where you're wearing a loincloth and doing strange shit, yeah. just fucking reach out. Reach out to Sam and Rob. Reach out to our nutrition at powerathletehq.com. And we will help you to not be weird and to get you on track. It's not your fault. That was my other one, but that was actually the, uh, in the training thing with, um, remember we talked about the, like the training program that a lot of times, like the goodwill hunting when he goes to, uh, what was it? It was Robin Williams to, uh, Matt Damon. It's not your fault. Will. like a lot of times when we work not with people, you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> not you, man. And he's like, yeah, it's not your fault. But I think, uh, nutrition is one of those really interesting things that you sometimes, many times you need somebody to help you navigate or more so just having somebody as a sounding board who's not you in your head that, hey, does this sound like a good idea? Or what do you think about this? Nope, stay to the plan, stay consistent. And I think what you guys do a great job on is just reassuring the people, hey, we need to make a tweak. No, 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 let's continue to go this way. We'll see how it goes. And just trying to make those small modifications so people can uh, reach their goals. And uh, you know, I do love when we get before and after pictures. I wish we got way more of them, but I'm always stoked when we see them and we're making good progress. Yeah, it can be pretty shocking. You get, you know, because I have it set up in my calendar to remind to get photos. And when four weeks instead of two weeks goes by, sometimes you're like, oh, damn, you look good. <laughs> can, can, can we post these on the on the Instagram? They're like, no. You're like, fuck. How would I, like I know. You're like, can I put a big smiley emoji on your face? <laughs> so. That's what we need. Eggplant over the face. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> say that but mm. I someone else would go there. No, no, Texas is so hungry. It is lunchtime. It is lunchtime. I to close out, I cannot emphasize how awesome it was to uh, be a part of a seminar that involved John because he would take the nutrition lecture away from me, <laughs> thank God. And you had to leave at least three hours for him to essentially walk through the the, the podcast discussion we had today, plus some form of conspiracy theory that involved uh, California water, almonds, almonds Hillary aliens, Clinton. hill dog, 
Yeah. So uh, what would be funny is, is I, when I went to the seminars, they wouldn't let me teach anything because I used to fuck it all up because they, you know, like it, it was all like a well-oiled machine. And all I did was I just threw a monkey wrench in it. So like they got to the point where they were like, hey, uh, what we've done is we've effectively like backfilled and got everything done. So then we're going to push nutrition to after lunch and we'll give you like a huge window where we got some other shit we can cut out. And I would get up there having not had to speak for two days and being like, I've just been, you know, reading and like, here's some new information. We're going to talk about time travel. We're going to talk about the efficiency of getting to Mars and whatever I was reading, I would incorporate into the nutrition so much. So we had uh, Eric, Eric Preston from, from Eric Cross CrossFit. Yeah. yeah. Eric Preston from CrossFit HQ was like, I have never in all my years met anybody go farther off the rails and then pull it back within a few minutes like you did. He says, like, it was unfucking believable For three hours, I had no idea. And then you tied it all up with a bow. He's like, it was impressive. I was like, thank you. If this podcast, good thing we have this podcast because we don't teach seminars anymore. I don't, I'd, be probably, I'd probably be divorced by now. <laughs> My wife would be like, shut up. Stop talking to the kids. I was just checking in on Eric. We gotta, I'm going to make him my LinkedIn friend. Uh, we should get him on the podcast. Let's catch up first. I know yeah. he's a big biker guy. Oh, biker. biker. Um, I'm an idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. All right. Well, that's it. He only has, oh shit. He's got one connection on LinkedIn. It's about to be two. All right, Nutrition Ninjas, thank you for joining us. Another, for another episode of Power, Power Athlete, Athlete Radio. Radio. Bye. 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 Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!